Happy Sunday, everybody. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 124. Uh, we're going to be continuing on the Psalms of Ascents, um, that, which are the Psalms, that it's the, kind of a hymn book, a, a portion of the Psalms that uh, every year, uh, as God's people, uh, the Israelites would make their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Uh, they'd, they'd sing these songs as they made their, their way into Jerusalem. And uh, so, so we're, we're in 124. Passover, of course, is that, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, the Passover is the, the meal that the Israelites would do every year to remember uh, God saving them out of Egypt. Okay, so for them, uh, the Passover, the Exodus, uh, was like the uh, the definition of like salvation, of God working, him showing up, the way that they would remember uh, the way that God works uh, powerfully in their lives. So we're going to continue in Psalm uh, 24 today and uh, just want to kind of remind you if, you're, if you haven't tuned in for a while or maybe your first time you see all these chairs, uh, the Psalms were, you know, the, we're, we're calling this sermon series Coming Home uh, because the Israelites, the, the Hebrew people, God's people would go back to Jerusalem which is where God's presence was. That was their true home. And for us, we know we find our true home in Jesus. And so these chairs, uh, different people have brought. You can still bring them if you want to. Uh, represent people uh, that, that whoever bring the chair you're praying for. Either for somebody to come find their true home in Jesus or to return back to Jesus if, they, if they've come away from there. So, um, so just, just know, like I, like I said, if you have a chair, if you have somebody in mind you're praying for, uh, bring it up here. Like we had a few this morning. I didn't know we're here. And we have a few really cool ones. The, the different colored one, that looks like it'd be in, in like a Hogwarts professor's office. That's what I think of. And then that rocking chair is comfortable. I sit in it through the week when I'm here in the office. So I don't know who brought it, but thank you for that. I hope that's okay. Uh, so Psalm 124, let me, let me read it for us, and then, then we'll jump in. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us up as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and earth. All right, so as we kick off the sermon today, I want to talk about food. All right, amen. Thank you, Scott, for the thumbs up. Uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What is... The best meal you have ever eaten. What's the best meal you've ever eaten? I see some chuckles, some smiles. Okay, because when I ask that question, your mind probably goes to a few places, right? Because there's a, a few different ways you can define the best meal you've ever eaten. It could be like the quality of the food. Yeah, it could be you remember the people you were eating the meal with. Or maybe the location or maybe the circumstances, you're celebrating something, right? Like we all kind of have different things for what we think about with a meal. For me, when I think of like the best meal I've ever eaten, uh, I grew up in a home where my grandmother lived with us. Uh, my family's all from Georgia, and so my grandma was a true Southern belle. Her name was Granny Annie, all right? So you know there's something intrinsic that God created in the laws of nature where if someone's named Granny Annie, they have to be a good cook, right? So, so my favorite meal she would make every year on my birthday uh, Granny Annie would make uh, fried chicken. Feel free to throw in amens wherever you feel need to. Fried, homemade fried chicken, fried okra, fried squash, homemade biscuits and gravy, and baked sweet potatoes. 
and then peanut butter cake to top it off. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting excited thinking about it right now. Um, so she would make that every, every year. And for whatever reason, I have a specific memory um, uh, on my 16th birthday I remember sitting on our back porch and, and the food being out on this table. My parents had this great outdoor patio table. And I remember sitting out thinking and, and, and eating it. And, and at 16 years old, I can still remember thinking, I don't, like, I don't know if it gets better than this. Right? Like, I don't know if life gets better than this. I love food. Like, I don't know. You know, Amy laughs at us in the office because most of our time in the office talking together is uh, mostly just Fred and I talking about good food that we eat and like. Uh, and, and so I, I love food. But, but for all of us, like, like, as I'm explaining my meal, as you're thinking through the best meal you've ever eaten, I can think of a, of a ton of meals that I've had, whether on mission trips or, you know, on a, on a vacation or celebrating, you know, something great going on or just trying new foods. We can remember that because uh, food, meals are, are, you know, it triggers all five of our senses. So a lot of times our memories are, are you know, really linked to food and we can think back on the good food that we've eaten. Uh, the Psalms of Ascent, in a lot of ways, for the people of Israel were ways that they could remember. It, were, it was a memory jog for them. It was a trigger for their memories because you think as they're year after year with family, they're, they're, they're traveling, they're eating together, they're singing these songs, their senses are being renewed, their senses are being reminded and woken up again as they're going in to celebrate the Passover, which was a meal, you know, very specific ways. They would prepare the food and they would eat the food and they remember all the different, you know, the, the pains that Israel went through in slavery, the freedom, the, the, the lamb, all the different things. And it would trigger them. And, so, and what we get, really, Psalm 124, it's a psalm of remembrance and it's a psalm of thanksgiving. They're thinking back on all the things God had done uh, for them. And, it, and just imagine walking with your family through your, your, you know, the, the, the Middle East, headed up to Jerusalem, singing these songs. You know, you probably even remember going by that, that creek and getting water last year, right? Like you remember that mountainscape, waking up and seeing the sunrise. Your family camps at that same place, stops and sets up camp as you're traveling to Jerusalem. They're singing these songs. And right when... Okay, so let's just say, you know, your family's traveling a few hundred miles by foot. You know, you got a caravan of family with you. You hit Psalm 124, and if you're doing it by day, this is like day five of travel on foot. All right? Uh, anyone who's ever been, like, backpacking or camping, how, how long does it take for it to not be that fun anymore? Or even, like, vacation, like, outside of your home, how long, like we just got done with the holidays, how long did it take for it not to be fun staying at your family's house? Okay, so there's like, like if you think about the way that these Psalms were laid out, this is a perfect time to remember how good God is, <laughs> right? So here they are, they're, they're going through, and this is a Psalm where God's people, they remember and they reflect on what God has done for their lives. Most likely, uh, you know, the title we give is, is a Psalm of David. He wrote it. So most likely David wrote this Psalm uh, sometime for him. Um, the, 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 the authors of the Bible have a great way of, of uh, thinking and talking about something specific, but also keeping like a grand narrative picture in mind. So most likely David was probably thinking of like literally a time where he, they were like in a military battle and God miraculously saved them. Okay, but he was also thinking he would have had the ideas of the Passover of all the history of Israel compiled together. For, you know, he'd be writing this for his people. Um, you know, it might have been a time against the Philistines, the Edomites, or, you know, it doesn't matter. God made sure that his people were delivered. Uh, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. 
as the people respond and reflect on his presence, his protection, and his provision. His presence, his protection, and his provision. Look at what it is. I love verse 1 where it says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it, had not been on, uh, if, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us. I love how it throws like, let, let the people say. Right? That's like what I did a minute ago with the amen. You know, like feel free to say amen whenever you want. You know, so like, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And it, it's a rhetorical situation here because the fact is, is that God's presence is where our help comes from. I love that it says the ifs, like there's two ifs in, the, in those verses, but the ifs were rhetorical because there may have been ifs in the statement here, but there were no ifs in the outcome. The fact that God was present with them, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been the Lord who was with us in the battle, if it had not been God who was with me in that situation, the outcome would have been totally different. See, it's not... God's presence is not the if. It's, man, like, could you imagine how bad it would have been if if God wasn't there and if God wasn't with us? See, David knew firsthand the difference in what it was like to have God on your side and not have God on your side. You know, like, he he would have remembered uh, stories of, there's this wild story uh, in 1 Samuel where the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God's presence dwelt on earth, uh, was taken by uh, the Philistines into their camp. Like, so for them, it was like a, like a war. Like they, they won a battle, they took it as like a, like a prize and they would show it off with the rest of their gods and deities. So they set it up right next to this big statue uh, of this god called Dagon, okay? Uh, I know like you sometimes read the Bible and you're like, wait, did this inspire like almost all fantasy fiction that we have nowadays? Most of it, yeah. But uh, so you get the god, the next morning they wake up and the god had fallen over. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Like, what a coincidence, you know? And then they keep going, and then, like, all this, like, weird stuff starts happening to them, and they, and they try to figure out what's going on, and they figure out, it's like, hey, the fact is, uh, you hate God, but you brought him back to you. All right, so, so his presence is here, and they had weird stuff like their cattle was dying, which was a big deal, and there were, like, boils, and there were, like, mice coming everywhere. It was weird stuff. So then what happened was they were like, okay, what do we do? What do we do with God's presence? And, and they're like, all right, here's what you do. You put it on a cart, tie some cows to it, send it on its way. You know, like, don't like, like, just be done with it. Wash your hands of it. And as soon as the cows basically cross their border, everything goes back to normal. Because no longer did they have competing gods. They, did, they weren't seeking the presence of multiple gods. It was just them or God. They made their choice. All right, God, God handed, was handing them over to what they want. Their ancestor Moses made it clear that, that like, whenever they came out of Egypt... They were rescued from, from the Egyptians. There were the plagues, all that. And, and God said, hey, I'm going to send you to the land that I promised to you. And Moses' response was, hey, God, if you're not going to go with us, we don't want to go. Like, if you're not coming, I'm out. Because I've seen what it's like to live in the presence of powers that are not you, and I don't want it. I only want your presence. And God said, okay, I'll come with you. And I love it because Moses, like, keeps pestering God. He's like, no, I'm serious, God. Like, if you don't come with us, there's going to be no difference in us and them. All right, he's like looking around. He's like, "Hey, I got like a few million people back here who have spent their whole lives living in Egypt, and they're just going to go right back to where they were. And if it's not you, if your presence is not with us, we don't stand a chance. We're going to end up being like everybody else around us. So we, we like it has to be you." And God's like, "Okay, listen, I'll come." And Moses is like, "No, God, really? <laughs> like, read it in Exodus there. He's like, "No, seriously, God, like." 
if you're not going to show up and you're not going to come, then like we're, we're done here. And God said, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be true to my word. I'm going to be true, true to, to who I said I am. See, it's the, it's the presence of God that makes his people different from everybody else. I mean, just thinking of the, just thinking of the, uh, the, the Exodus, thinking of the, the Passover, things like that. You know, these are people that different. It was for them, God's presence. You know, they had, they had lived what they thought was in the presence of a God, the Pharaoh, all the different deities of Egypt and stuff like that. And that only led to slavery. But the presence of God had brought them freedom. Uh, when they were in Egypt, the only thing they ever knew was seven days straight of 24-hour work. And then God brought them and provided for them and gave them rest. See, the presence of God changed everything. The difference was God even said to Moses, he said, hey, not only am I going to come with you, but you, you and the rest of the Israelites, you're going to know me personally. See, in Egypt, all the people, they had only had impersonal deities who just told them what to do and cracked the whip. But with God, they had a personal relationship. They knew him. It wasn't someone on a throne that was unapproachable. It was someone who came to them. So it's totally different. The presence of God um, changed absolutely everything. So, you know, we talk about the ifs again. See, for, for God's people, for us, those of us who love God, follow God, have placed our trust in God for everything in life, uh, there's no if on the outcome of God's presence. It's the game changer. Uh, the if is not about God being here or being present in your life. The if is, man, could you imagine how bad it would have been if God wasn't with us? I mean, you know, uh, they were thankful. So when we're thinking back, the Israelites being thankful for God's presence being a, a psalm of thanksgiving. They were thankful for God's presence. Let's look at verses, uh, like the end of verse 2 through verse 5. We get, we get three uh, kind of images that he gives us. Three, three thens pop up one at another, right? So um, when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have the raging waters gone. So we get three different images here. We get fire, we get a flood, and we get raging waters. Okay, the, those three things, uh, they all kind of end the same when you experience them and if you're consumed by them, uh, but they all kind of do it in different ways, right? Like a fire, uh, fire burns and consumes every amount of energy possible. It, it burns it until there's nothing left but ashes and there's just nothingness. Um, you know, we, have, we live at the base of uh, one of the mountains around Montreat, kind of in that area, and it's, and it's interesting because if you hike around there, you still see the devastation of the wildfires that happened like in 2015. You know, like wildfire just burns and consumes everything in its path. Water, like flooding waters, Water suffocates life out. So while fire burns, consumes it out, the floods, the, the word picture here is that water suffocates it out. It fills every nook and cranny until there isn't any more left. And the raging waters are things that come and they sweep things and they carry it off somewhere new and they, 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 they wipe it out on the way. Like if you've ever seen uh, like, um, some of those Planet Earth videos of like in the desert and it finally rains for the first time in forever and it's just this nasty mud water carrying sticks and trees and everything else, right? That's the flood waters. So the three pictures, they're all outside forces that are coming and they're, they're ruining and destroying, but it's all in three different very vivid images. And for us today, uh, some of you, as, as I was talking, you're like, wow, I 
can relate to the fire image. You know, what do we call it whenever you feel like you've been working hard and you're burning the candles at both ends, and then uh, you, got, you feel like you just have no energy left? What do we call that? Burnout. Probably not a coincidence, right? You're sitting there like, man, I, I feel like I got nothing left in the tank. Man, it's not, I, 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 there's nothing I can do about it. Man, I got bills, I got, you know, coworkers, I got, you know, my boss is just, just hates me, you know, I got this bully at school that won't leave me alone, I got, you know, there's just constant pressure, fire coming, taking everything you got, or the water image feels more, like, man, I I don't feel burned out, I just feel like I I don't have any room to breathe, like, I just feel like I, I, like I can't get my head above the water, right, these are, these are things we say all the time whenever we feel like hopeless, whenever we feel like we got nothing left, I mean, for us, a lot of times, not that it's any less real, but for us, a lot of times it has to do with relational or, or you know, money issues or whatever. And all those are very real. But for the Israelites, remember, these are like literal things that happen to them. Like if it would have been God on their side, you know, like, like they would have come through and, and burned their villages. You know, like if it had not been God on their side, I mean, what would the Red Sea have done? How would they have crossed the Red Sea from the Egyptians? I mean, how would they even cross over the Jordan into the promised land? For them, but, but, but in a very real way, those images resonate with us. Um, and I hope uh, the, the psalm can give some solace because uh, it's written in retrospect, which is hard. I don't want to do like the like cheesy pastor thing that when, when things are really hard, just says like, well, just hold on and you'll see how God used it. Like that doesn't actually comfort in the moment, right? Uh, but I hope it will because... Uh, in, in retrospect is where it's typically easier to see how God has worked in our lives. Um, and if nothing else, has formed us to be more like him. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a great book, little book called Suffering is Never for Nothing. And she said, the deepest things that I've learned in my own life have come from the deepest sufferings. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things I know about God. The people of Israel were thankful that God brought them out of the situations safely. They were thankful for God's protection. So they were thankful for God's presence. They were thankful for God's protection. Then let's look at verses 6 and 7. The, 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 the psalm, the poem kind of changes a little bit. It says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we've escaped. So now the, the word image you know, the, the, it kind of changes a little bit because the, um, the, the last three we, lo- we looked at were kind of all outside forces coming in on us. Now it changes because the pressure is like a trap and a snare. Ha- have, have any of you guys ever been to like a trampoline park and jumped in a foam pit? Uh, it took me about three solid seconds before I realized I was not going to die in the foam pit the first time I went in. Can anybody relate to that? Those are terrible. Like, whoever invented the foam pit, I don't, I don't get it. I just, it's not fun. My eyes get itchy, and it gets in my mouth, and maybe because I'm so tall and gangly, I just feel like I can't escape. I don't know what it is, but it's terrible. Like, getting in the foam, that's kind of a silly example, but like, if, or like, anybody grow up, remember ball pits at playgrounds? Anybody? Like, McDonald's playground ball pits? We, I lived in South Georgia when we had one of those things, and like, I was more afraid of not being able to get out of one of those than the rattlesnakes that lived in them. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you get in one of those foam pits or the ball pits, and you're not sure you're ever coming out, right? I mean, really, and, and that's kind of funny, but, but that's the word picture here. 
You know, the, the blessed be the Lord who had not given us as prey to their teeth. You know, it's something like, like an inescapable. The snare's been broken and we have escaped. You know, man, in times of life where it feels like there's no way out. Man, like whatever situation you're in, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's a terrible job. Man, maybe, maybe it's just such a deep, crippling financial burden that you don't think you're ever going to get out. Whatever it is, whatever it is, if, if, if we know God's present, if we know he protects us, then we're able to say the same thing the Israelites were saying. They basically were saying, if it wasn't for God, I would have lost all hope. See, now we see that they were thankful for God's provision. He made a way of escape. He made a way out. I mean, just like, like imagine standing with your family and watching an army come across the desert, and it's them or a, 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 an ocean, a sea behind you. And what did God do? He parted the waters. He made a way of escape. That, that's what God does. God always provides a way out. He gave hope where there was none, and he, and he broke the cage they felt like they were in. And then finally, verse 8, our, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I love the way that it ends with, with praise. Um, what it doesn't end uh, is with a defense. It, it, like in the Psalms, one thing that strikes me is that the psalmists, they, they never try to defend God. They just kind of say it. You know, there's no, like, there's no argument to give for this. Right, like there, there's no good, like that was, you know, apo- I think apologetics, if you're into that, like that has a place and that's all good. But man, at the end of the day, you can't defend God for who he is. It's just who he is. And we just have to accept it or deny it. Take it or leave it, you know? I mean, God's, his presence, his protection, his provision is real. And I love the psalmist. It just says it, it gets done talking about it. It doesn't say how he did it. It didn't say how it happened. There's no scientific reasoning for the Red Sea splitting or manna coming from heaven or the quail dropping to feed Israel or, you know, it, nothing like that. It just says our help is in the name of the Lord. He made heaven and earth. We get to take it or leave it. And so what I want to do is, as, as we kind of end here, I want to I give us a quote, and then I want to talk about for us, you know, we live in a totally different world than they did. We, we have the reality of Jesus coming, dying on the cross and raised from the grave. So I want to end with a, with a quote from Eugene Peterson, and then we're going to kind of turn and talk about how we can be thankful. We've seen how the Israelites were thankful in this psalm. We're going to talk about how we can be thankful. So our job is not to defend God, it's to praise God. Eugene Peterson wrote this about the psalm. He said, Christians are not fussy moralists who cluck their tongues over a world going to hell. Christians are people who praise the God who's on our side. Christians are not pious pretenders in the midst of a decadent culture. Christians are robust witnesses to the God who is our help. Christians are not fatigued outcasts who carry righteousness as a burden in a world where the wicked flourish. Christians are people who sing, Oh, blessed be God. He did not abandon us defenseless. See, God doesn't need us to defend him. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to give him glory. God wants us to recognize and remember his goodness and respond with thankfulness. He made the heavens and earth. He doesn't need us to fight for him. He needs us to love others for him. That's what he's called us to do. So for us today, like I said, we probably haven't experienced someone trying to kill us because we say we love Jesus. Maybe you have. 
Um, but we can reflect on what Jesus has done for us. See, Jesus came from heaven to earth. He made himself accessible as a human when he didn't have to. Uh, he came to make sure that the, uh, what I like to call the human project that he started in Genesis 2 and 3 kept on going, despite our best efforts to ruin it. He brought heaven down to earth. Uh, then he went back to heaven after paying the penalty for our sin and conquering death by his resurrection. And he sent his, his spirit himself to live in our hearts, making us the place where heaven and earth meet. See, we can be thankful that Jesus is God's presence. While we feel like we are being attacked by forces outside of our control, whether it's spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, whatever, uh, we know that Jesus never fails us. Paul said that all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself said that if anyone is his, no one will ever be able to snatch him out of his hands. In Ephesians, Paul was attacked. He was, uh, I love this story. Uh, Paul's attacked by a silversmith because uh, Paul was talking about Jesus so much and so many people started believing in him, they stopped buying the false gods that the silversmith was creating. So he created a, a, a citywide riot to, to try to kill Paul. Um, and uh, Paul writes to Timothy about it later in 2 Timothy, and he said, The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. See, Paul reflects on all the good things that we receive because of Jesus in his letter to the Romans and says that there's nothing at all that can separate us from God's love and, we're the, and that we're more than conquerors in him. We don't have to settle for just fighting with blood, with our hands, with weapons. We can be more than that, and we are more than that. We can be thankful that Jesus is our protection. See, when we feel trapped in a situation or season of life where we can't escape, we can remember that Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free from all oppression, whether put on us by other people or by the decisions and habits we've created and put on ourselves. He came to free us from the slavery of sin and death that we initiated in the garden. Um, he came to free us from the eternal hopelessness, from choosing God, from choosing what we want over what God wants. See, Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross and died the death that we should have died. But he made it possible for eternal life to be experienced now and forever through his resurrection. See, we can be thankful that Jesus is our provision. As we go into a time of worship, I just want to make sure we have a few opportunities to respond. Uh, maybe today is the first time you've recognized you've been trying to live a life without God's presence, with, without his protection and provision because you think you can do it on your own terms and by your own hands. Um, let me just invite you to trust Jesus, to trust that Jesus is the presence of God, uh, that he is your protection because he loves you, and he is your provision, provision from eternal death, from sin and unrighteousness forever. Let me just invite you to trust him for that. Uh, or maybe you're in a season of life where, uh, man, you feel like, the, like when I was talking about the fire or the water, the flood, you haven't been able to move past that because that's the season of life you're in, and it feels unescapable. Uh, let me just invite you not to try to figure it out on your own. Uh, we would love to, to pray with you. If either one of those things are for you, you're trusting Jesus, or you, you just can't handle trying to figure things out on your own anymore, uh, we're going to have the deacons of our prayer ministry in the back of the worship center. 
And so when we, we, we're going to close in prayer in a minute. I would, I would, and while we worship, please go back, pray with them. They would love to pray with you. We talked about it this week. We've been praying for, for this morning uh, through the week. And so please do that. Uh, maybe, maybe you feel like you kind of have spiritual amnesia. You've forgotten the goodness of Jesus, the, the, the truth of the good news of Jesus, that he is God's presence for us, that he's given us his presence, that he's our protection and he's our provision. Um, I'd ask you, hey, maybe while we uh, pray uh, and we sing in a minute, uh, turn to Ephesians and read the first 10 verses of chapter 2. And then maybe just pray that throughout this week. That's a great reminder that I go to, have to go to all the time when I forget the goodness of Jesus. Um, you know, maybe you need to just take some time and pray that, that whoever this chair represents that you brought up uh, needs to come to know the, the, the presence, the protection and provision of Jesus. Um, but also, uh, instead of just individual responses, uh, it's important to remember that this is, this is like a congregational like group response that the Israelites would do. Right? I mean, like, like the beginning of 124, he says, like, come on, Israel. Like, let's say, like, come on, God's people. Let's say this together. So what we're going to do is, I just want to kind of just, I've been here about six months now. I know I'm still the new guy. Uh, but I kind of just want to just talk about some things that I've, some stories that I've heard um, of how God has been so good to this church. And, and I want to kind of call us into a time as a, as a people of God, as a church, uh, to continue, you know, praying and ask God for what he has for us in the future. Um, you know, one thing that I've heard Fred say a few times, and I, and I giggle every time he says it, is five years ago he was preaching under a basketball goal. You know? And when even that wasn't an option anymore, uh, God made a way for this building to come available. And it's incredible, right? Like when preaching under the basketball goal was not even an option. Like, look at this place. This is great. Um, throughout covid you know, God has protected the church from having to shut the doors, um, let staff go, and more importantly, uh, not had to con- uh, cut anything from the benevolence or the, or the budget that was, that was spent on sending out. We're actually giving away more money as a church now than we were pre-COVID, which is amazing. Not all churches can say that right now. Um, uh, we've seen just, since I've been here, um, not that I had anything to do with it. I've just got to be a part of it. It's been great. Some of the largest like discovery classes and some of the most amount of people joining this church than in a long time. I mean, God has been really faithful. He's protected this church. He's, he's provided for this church. He's been present. I mean, I don't know about you guys, like last Sunday, closing the service with that time of prayer, like God I was present. God was present. You know, there have been times in the worship center, times of praying through the week with, with some of you guys, like, it's been very obvious that God has been present in this church. And so what I want to do is, is as we close, um, I thought just as a church, I mean, we could, we could think back, re- reflect on the good things that God as a church has done for us, um, but then also kind of pray a prayer that, that we find in Habakkuk together as a, as a group of people, um, kind of asking God, it's reflecting on what God's done, but then asking God to not stop, but to continue to be good, continue to be present, and faithful to us. So, so, so let's do this. Let's, let's all stand. I know this is a little, little different than how we normally, normally end. But let's stand. Let's look at um, Habakkuk 3, verse 2. All right? We're going we're gonna to pray this together. Are you ready? Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our own time, make them known. I'm going to pray for us. And then please, please take the time to respond 
appropriately. Father, thank you so much for how good you are. God, thank you so much that, that even in the midst of um, how we feel, God, what we know is true in our lives. Maybe it's season of feeling burned out. Maybe it's season of feeling like we can't keep our heads above the water. God, you are still the God who loves us. You made heavens and earth. You made us. You are more acquainted with our lives than we are. So, Father, I pray for all of us today, um, anyone who's feeling that grief, anyone who's feeling the hurt, the pain, the suffocation, Father, um, Holy Spirit, show up. Uh, prove your goodness and your faithfulness. We're asking you. And then God is a church. You've been very faithful to us. God is Fellowship Asheville. And as we continue to look on and, and we have no clue what the next month holds. I mean, forever, we can't even guess when it's gonna snow or not. But God, we don't know what's gonna happen. But Father, whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you're present with us. You continue to protect us and you continue to provide for us. And if you're not gonna be present, then there's no point. God, so we're not going to move without you, Father. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.